This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast, the official podcast of RaidersBeat.com. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Wayne Mabry, a.k.a. The Violator, and you're listening to the Raider Cody Podcast Show. Get your ears on and get some of this. Yeah! What's up, Raider Nation? Another week here at the Raider Cody Podcast, and I'm joined, as always, with my buddy Chris. What's going on, man? Raider Nation, what's going on? Cody, how you doing, man? Ready for another night of Raider talk, dude. Let's do it. I was expecting this to be our first week without football all around, but uh, we had a new league come around and surprise us, the AAF. I didn't get to catch any games, but I saw some highlights. I saw some quarterbacks getting their helmets blown off the top of their head. I, and I seen some uh, details on some new rules that they have, maybe with the refs. What uh, you watched the game, Chris? What'd you think of it? It was interesting. Um, it, you know, first of all, it's just fun to watch football in general. Um, but there was some things that I thought that AAF has kind of introduced that a lot of us fans wanted out of the NFL. There was a couple things. Um, number one, there was that vicious hit on the quarterback, and there was no flag. You know, obviously, I think uh, that dude probably would have been suspended for the whole season <laughs> yeah. if he was in the NFL. Ejected for uh, sure. But there was there was some there was some cool things like there was a review uh, of a catch. Um, that was ruled a catch on the field and then they overturned it. But you got to hear the entire process of the referee talking to the guy in the booth Hmm. and the guy in the booth was able to give the referee, which we got to hear his whole description as to why it wasn't a catch, why he was overturning it, where the ball was going to be. So you kind of got to hear that conversation. And as an NFL fan, especially a Raiders fan, right? You just kind of get the feeling that there's some funkiness going on. You know, yeah. so it, it'd be nice to be able to hear the conversations yeah. as to why what, what's going through the referee's mind, even if it's not the Raiders being cheated or anything, but why they made that decision. You know what? What came into play? A lot of us are left confused, whereas that can kind of eliminate some of the questions we might have. So I thought that was an interesting, pretty good idea. I think the NFL should think about. So let's uh, let's jump back into what matters, Chris. Let's talk about some Raiders football. You ready for these announcements? Yes, sir. Raider Nation. Charles Woodson has announced he is leaving ESPN. Raiders defensive backs coach Derek Ansley has left the team to become the co-defensive coordinator for the University of Tennessee. Breaking news. Raiders are announced to play the 2019 season at Oracle Park in San Francisco. Just kidding. Shortly after, the Santa Clara 49ers waived their territorial rights. Now sources are saying the Raiders are in talks to play at the Coliseum again. Just kidding again. Talks have proved 
to be bogus. Man, this has been a roller coaster, Chris. I don't know what's going on, man. They're playing with our feelings. Uh, I'm pretty sure Kenny said it best. It's kind of like dealing with almost like divorced parents, like uh, whose house are you staying at You know, this year? What are you going to do this weekend type deal? And it, it, it's hot and cold. It's playing with my emotions. That's a really good example, honestly, because <laughs> we're just left like where we just want to know where we're going to play. You know, we got all these games that we're, you know, supposed to have this coming season. And are we going to be in Oakland? Are we going to be in Oracle Park in San Francisco? Are we going to be at Levi's? Are we going to be at Fresno State? We just want to know an answer. And I honestly, I think the NFL is probably getting uh, their their patience is wearing thin as well. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with with Mark Davis and uh, Mark Bedane and all that figuring it out. But, uh, you know, we are we are going to be getting a little insight on that a little bit later. So maybe we'll get some answers. Yeah, you're right, Chris. Well, we do have a little special guest for you guys. Scott Winter, he's going to come on here in a minute with us. And, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to come on here and give us a scoop. But I love his take. He has some sources. He has some uh, inside views on things. He's right a lot more times than wrong, so I'd like to hear what he has to say on this, Chris. You ready to get a hold of him? Let's call him up. All right, guys. So now we're joined by Scott Winter. He's a former Raiders insider and beat writer, um, but he's still currently a credentialed media member for the NFL and the Raiders. And Scott, you just recently launched a new podcast. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Well, it's part of the uh, SB Nation Silver and Black Pride uh, network. And we're still trying to get it off the ground. We've had some technical difficulties because uh, we've got a new system called Megaphone. And so, you know, we're going to get our first episode out. It's called Silver and Black Turf. Uh, my partner, Nick Hamilton, he's a DJ, uh, a radio host in uh, Los Angeles, San Diego area. You know, fantastic dude kind of different than I am. So it's going to offer, uh, we're going to offer some definite, uh, some fire to it by, by being a little bit clashy on, on certain things, but uh, I respect his work. Uh, he's a fantastic guy and, and he's done a lot in this business. So, um, once we get it up and running, everything should be, should be fantastic. Should <laughs> be a, a weekly or bi-weekly, you know, you know how it is. Yeah, man. We're, uh, we're very familiar with technical difficulties over here too. So we totally understand the struggle. <laughs> the struggle hey, is real. <laughs> hey, Scott, uh, Chris here, huge fan of yours. Uh, for those of you that, uh, do not know, Scott Winter is the guy who broke the John Gruden to Oakland story. Yeah. Uh, so I have a, a ton of respect for you, Scott. Um, I wanted to begin by kind of diving in and asking you about this whole you know, uh, where the Raiders are going to play in 2019 debacle, um, previous to the 2018 season, it seemed like the plan was to play not only in 2018, but in 2019 at the Oakland Coliseum. Obviously there was the lawsuit that kind of happened, um, in the middle of the, of last year, I believe, which kind of swung things, um, you know, up in the air a little bit. So if you can kind of talk about from that point on, what has happened and kind of summarize what the current situation is uh, in real talk? No, no, you know, obviously there's a lot of rumors going around right now. Right. And this is more of a, I mean, I've heard things, but I'm not here talking about it as an insider. Uh, It's more of a situation. A lot of people don't really understand what is involved in doing in this process. Uh, because the city of Oakland sued the NFL, not just the Raiders, but uh, uh, 30, 31 other teams, it has, it has changed the dynamic of this whole situation. 
whereas, okay, for example, had the, the had Oakland just sued the Raiders, um, it, it would be a bloodbath. I mean, the Raiders were going to go, you know, um, uh, knee deep into this. It, it was going to be a very uh, <laughs> ugly, ugly battle. But because they sued the NFL, the NFL is very. I mean, they play hardball, but they play it in a very low-key manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NFL won't. Uh, it t- I mean, they 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 won't counter sue, for example, whereas the Raiders would have, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I, I believe that you know Dan Ventrelli would have gutted uh, Oakland because of, because they really don't have much of a case here. Now, because of that, it has put the NFL into this weird situation where. Um, there, in my opinion, what I see happening, um, with all these reports about Oracle and, 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 and negotiating with Oakland and, you know, Levi stadium and, and whatnot, I see this more as the NFL being involved as opposed to the Raiders themselves. In fact, uh, Michael Gelkin, uh, Fantastic researcher, fantastic digger. He's very good grinder as a a beat writer. Uh, talk to the Raiders. Talk to Mark Davis. And Mark Davis says we really haven't been, you know, talking to people much at all. Uh, which basically leads me to believe that these stories, you know, the lock-in forest story, um, you know, the recent one by the editor of NBC Bay Area. These are. I believe these are things that the NFL is doing and negotiating as opposed to the Raiders, but it's getting lumped in with the Raiders are doing this. It's my opinion, uh, but it, it just makes sense for me because if the, because it, the, the NFL has to be involved in this process. The, the NFL kind of wants to find a place for the Raiders to play in the Bay Area. I personally believe the Raiders have a place to play outside of the Bay Area, but this has to be vetted first without them saying anything. It has led to a wild array of, of speculation, uh, barrier media, just piling on to the Raiders. And if the Raiders do not have something lined up outside the Bay, if they don't have a plan, then it's absolutely 100%. They should be <laughs> piled on. But I believe that, you know, I, I, I have, had uh, enough conversation with Mark Davis, enough conversation with uh, Mark Bedane and Dan Vitrelli, and the people that they're, they're smart individuals. They're, I just don't see them wandering like a leaf in the forest, uh, a feather in the forest gump movie. It's they have a plan, and I believe that what you're seeing play out is more the NFL's hands than the Raiders. Yeah. Now, of course, coming into this week, we kind of had the idea that. Maybe the city didn't quite want the Raiders there. They, maybe there were negotiations going on behind their back. But then a report comes out that the city still has their $7.5 million offer on the table for the Raiders if they want to take it. Of course, you know, the lawsuit plays into that. But now i seen a report come out um, a day or two ago, and I think this was talking from the, uh, a chairman uh, from the city of Oakland, saying that if they were to come at the city with an offer big enough that they might be willing to drop the lawsuit is there any uh, steam behind that, or is that just someone blowing smoke somewhere? Well, it's the same person that that brought up the Oracle mm. was almost a done deal situation. Mm. Uh, the the editor, I, I, I apologize, I, I can't 
think of his name right off the top of my head, but it's the editor of the NBC uh, uh, Bay Area. I mean, he's 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 a credible guy, I, you know. So I'm not throwing shade or anything like that. It's just that, you know, it's Rebecca Kaplan is the is the Oakland City Council member who is reportedly said this. Now I haven't okay. seen any any verification of that. But he did use quote, um, you know, the uh, NBC Barry did, and so if that is true, uh, and, and I'll lead with that, the bigger picture, and a lot of people aren't really realizing this, is what does that tell you? I mean, to me, it tells me everything that you ever wanted to know about mm-hmm. this whole situation. To me, it's green mail. It is absolute mm-hmm. straight green mail. You have a lawsuit. You have made promises, according if you if you read uh, some of the stuff that uh, this we stand with Oakland thing uh, uh, said they have agreements in place and they feel like they're going after the brand and the name, which uh, I mean uh, the, the colors and the name. Uh, that to me is a very far fetched situation, but uh, you know, and I've I've spoke to. I spoke to a, a law professor at Duke uh, University who, who does this, you know, antitrust stuff. He says it's going to be a very uphill battle. Uh, but what does it tell you? It tells you that, to me, that this is all about money. They don't want the brands. They don't want the Raiders playing there. They never did. They just want to squeeze the Raiders for as much money as they possibly can, and that's it. They would be willing that they would be willing to settle this. For, for something that people have said on the antitrust situation could be in to the billions because there's a there's a uh, a rule that if you sue in antitrust situations you could get trouble damages which is basically three times the value of the damages that you've taken so because of that I mean they're willing to to, to settle for what what she said a substantial amount or 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 a lot more something of that of that uh, to that nature. What does that tell you? She doesn't care about the fans. She doesn't care about, care about, you know, the promises made to the stand. Uh, you know, we stand with the Oakland group. Uh, it's, you know, Hey, if you pony up enough money, great. Now here's the flip side. The Raiders can't negotiate that. It's not their place to negotiate that because they're only one of 32 teams being sued. They can't go in there and, and take lead on this. It doesn't work that way. The NFL lawyers and the NFL attorneys are the ones who would have to make that decision. So because they didn't sue the Raiders, they sued everybody. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now let's, let's, uh, oof. let's pretend this, uh, this all goes south. Uh, let's say something doesn't get worked out. Um, obviously everything's kind of pointed like we're going to be for sure in the Bay Area, but with one of the three already knocked off the board, uh, second of the three looks like, you know, it's going to be a legal issue no matter what or cause someone to be forking out a lot more money than they want to originally. And, of course, the third one uh, playing with the arch enemy um, across the Bay. But say it goes south. Is there a uh, is there an outsider where you could see us landing? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and And like I said, it's. I mean, I I can't say where it would be. Uh, if I had to guess, uh, the one that makes the most sense with me would be Arizona, um, because it's 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 about five and a half hours drive from Las Vegas, 
uh, you know, or a quick jump on a flight there, it would, it would jumpstart uh, the team being closer to where they're moving to. But then again, I mean, you know, you've heard reports about Reno, you've heard reports about, um, Fresno, <laughs> Fresno is coming into play. <laughs> hey, right. People are, you know, <laughs> I'm an hour away, man. Hey. I'm all on board. <laughs> well, I mean, Fresno, honestly, Fresno, uh, not that, you know, the facilities are, 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 are super or anything like that, but Fresno would, would at least you would still have fans coming from Bay area. You go to Phoenix, you know, there's no way. No. I mean, you know, fans are only, only fans with means are going to go. I mean, you know, if you go to Reno, if fans might be able to drive to Reno, it's not that far. It's four hours. It's highway 80. Boom. You're there. Mm-hmm. Fresno though, would be an interesting, interesting choice. Again, this opinion, it's not something I've heard. I just know when I say Phoenix, I know that, that, that um, Mike Bidwell and Mark Davis have really gotten close while they're building this um, stadium. And uh, Mr. Bidwell had a lot of influence on the stadium because they had the retractable um, roof. They had the retractable field. And Mike Bidwell said, hey, well, if I had uh, had it to do over again, I wouldn't have spent the $50 million we spent on the retractable roof. We use it like five, six times a year. Mm Kind of like me with my, my, I have a convertible Mustang. I don't pop, drop the top enough. Go, well, you know, why'd I get a convertible, you know? So, I mean, it just makes sense, you know, but, um, you know, people say San Diego. I don't see San Diego because, you know, they're still trying to build that market up for, for Dean Spanos, even though it's one year. Uh, you know, it'd been more likely for Oracle Oracle Park and just paying off um, uh, Jed York, who I'm the one. Uh, this is another personal thing could, that I believe is that Jed York, Jed York actually leaked the story uh, about them going to Oracle. Because, uh, well, number one, Jason Cole hit him up right before NFL Honors. Uh, and, you know, Jason Lecanfora had been talking about it for like a month. You know, they're, they're wanting to play at Oracle. And all of a sudden, right when it's getting down to the nitty-gritty, York, you know, I believe that that, that, that thing comes out and York immediately says, well, I'm going to get one of my rights. You know, it's, it, it's just, if you watched the whole John Harbaugh saga with Trent Baalke and, and Jed York, it was it was all about York slipping out information just to absolutely, uh, you know, backstab John Harbaugh. That's my again, in my opinion, but it but it follows his modus operandi as far as I'm concerned. Hey Scott, I wanted to ask you. You know, obviously, I think at the latter part of April, around draft time, if I'm not mistaken, is typically when the NFL schedule is released. Obviously, weeks before that, they spend a lot of time organizing it. When do you see uh, the deadline being for them officially announcing and making it, you know, a fact of where the Raiders are going to play in 2019? I believe it'll be March. I, I can't see this. I mean. I'm not saying I can't see it. It's possible that it goes to the NFL owners meetings, which are in uh, Arizona this year, um, third week of March, but they really need to have it done at the, like the first, second week of March, because the, the owners want to then ratify the schedule at the owners meeting. Uh, And then right after that, you know, that's when the season ticket holders get contacted to, you know, and, and whatnot. It's going to be, if it's outside the Bay area, you're talking about just, you know, trying to, trying to create a, a whole new set of season ticket holders, um, which is not going to be easy. I mean, the logistics on that are, are a nightmare. Um, 
you know, I mean, Al Davis moved the Raiders in 82 in May. So, I mean, it was, it's, you know, uh, you know, they made, they made it happen, but it's just, you know, times are different and the NFL as a collective is more powerful. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they, they, they got a couple more weeks realistically, maybe three weeks at the most realistically, in my opinion. The other thing I want to, I want to quickly get out there and, and, and it, when we talk about logistics, the NFL, if you're going to play in a stadium that the NFL hasn't played in, the NFL has to do a report. It's, you know, you're talking about a million dollars plus to get these guys to do data analysis, in, uh, structural analysis, engineering analysis, you know, electrical engineering analysis, all of that. They do all of these studies on one place. That's why it's not easy to just go, you know, I want to play here, 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 here. I mean, that's why they can't play in Sam Boyd stadium because it's an, it's an, it's a disaster. I mean, they don't have enough room for safety issues. They don't have electrical engineering issues. It's not just a simple thing when the end, you know, like Oracle Park, they had to do a month study on that to just to, to find out if it was viable from a, from an NFL. It's got to be up to NFL standards. Market. But anyways, that's so that's why these things take yeah. so long. But anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you on that. So you're saying it's it's long from over, and that's uh, sad to hear, but uh, makes a lot of sense. I mean, the direction it's going, and not a lot of factual evidence behind anything we're hearing. So it's gonna be one of those things. Raider Nation, buckle up, uh, <laughs> all the way up until the NFL draft. It's gonna be a rough one, so stick through it. And uh, for any listeners here that that tuned in for this, um, I suggest you give them a follow on Twitter. If you already don't, I'd be disappointed if you didn't. Scott, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, it's Scott underscore winter and FL. Like I said, Scott, I appreciate it. And, uh, we look forward to it, man. Oh, you guys are great. I'm, I, I you know what I love, uh, not just your commentary and you guys are, you guys are, uh, you guys have, have excellent insight. Your logo is absolutely awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love the details. I, I look at it and I'm like, Man, there's more stuff on there. What, what, what is that? You know, and and um, I think I think it's 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 really well done. So um, Cody you know, is I, blushing I right people, now to the fullest extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So red. <laughs> it just looks cool, man. And I mean, it's 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 uh, it you know, it's not quite the skull. It's more of a voodoo thing. It's the top hat. I just you know, I think it's very classy, and uh, you know, it's a it's a fantastic brand. So there, there, there you know. I like that. I appreciate that. We take uh, we take pride in our image here at the Raider Cody Podcast. So that's good stuff to hear, man. Right. You, you, you're flattering me right now. You're flattering me. <laughs> I'm, I'm about to ask you out to dinner, man. What are you doing next Friday night, man? <laughs> oh, hey, you know, I think I'm that cheap, huh? Ooh. <laughs> the steak, man. The steak. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm not getting you with a with a skim steak. Uh, we got to get the fillet going here. <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you, it's gonna be ribeye. <laughs> they get the ribeye. Either one. Oh, yeah. Bone in. Bone in ribeye. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Hit him with the tomahawk, I'm telling you. Cool deal, Scott. Cool deal. So we got a lot of content hey. to get rolling with, but, man, you made the podcast. You made this episode, and we appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Stay warm out oh. there, all right? Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Cool. See you, Scott. Whenever you told me about bringing Scott in here to talk about this uh, stadium fiasco, I didn't realize he was going to come in with some heat, man. That was some uh, that was some information for us, dude. 
Ott is extremely knowledgeable. Obviously, you know, he's been around, you know, football for a really long time, so he knows this stuff. But, you know, due to the fact that he kind of had a job in the NFL and uh, he was very involved um, during the process of when Mark Davis decided to make Vegas a destination, um, he was a really good follow for me back then. He had a lot of information as to the agreements and, you know, how, how the whole stadium would be structured in terms of, you know, where it was going to happen, when it was going to happen. And then it all came to fruition. And then obviously, like I said earlier, he broke the John Gruden story. I remember reading it when he said it, his whole story that he came out, he was previously, uh, with, um, I believe the silver and black today, if I'm not mistaken, but he had had a whole story about how, you know, Gruden was, you know, uh, met with Mark Davis and was going to be the coach again. And I was all fired up, but no national person had it. And then the next day, all ESPN had it. And I was like, wow, Scott got that one. And, you know, he's not perfect. You know, there's been a couple things here and there that, uh, that are tough, but, uh, you know, that, that one, uh, made me earn, uh, you know, I earned a lot of respect for him. Yeah. Hey, no big deal. You, you miss on some, everyone misses on some of the big fish and you uh, miss on everything. Hey, 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 you know, take it easy. Would you? The only thing, the only thing you miss out on is, is good internet. So I don't want to hear it, bro. (laughs) I'm sorry. I can't hear you dude with that big head. (laughs) Well, you know what, Chris, man, he has to use an air mic because no headset can fit that big head. He's got, that's why he wears the, you know, the Raider Cody thing like that. You think that's a costume. That's actually Cody's head. That's real life. Cody. That's why I wear AirPods, bro, because headphones don't fit over this head. I'm telling you (laughs) but hey chris we got a lot of content to get into let's uh you ready to hit this defensive line this week man let's go man cool well chris we're finally getting to some of the most uh controversial uh player groups of our team and this week defensive line whenever you think of our defensive line chris what's the first thing that pops in your head First thing that pops into my head as I look down this roster of defensive linemen is that we got more players than we had sacks last year, <laughs> and that is a huge problem. So that's what pops into my mind. Cody, how about you? So you're saying, well, I mean, how many, a handful of players then at least? Or <laughs> yeah, there's not, just a couple. It's not very many players, man. It's not very good, but I'll tell you. I mean, our defensive line was obviously underwhelming, and it's not news to anyone, and it's kind of depressing to talk about. Uh, mainly, you know, we had zero pass rush and it wasn't helping because we still couldn't even stop the run. We've talked about it before, uh, all around bad effort, but I kind of have some optimism here whenever I'm looking at it because we have some young studs here that, uh, we can build around. Maybe Uh, I'd like to see their jump going into sophomore year. So, uh, going player by player, we're going to start this thing off, right? And we're going to go off our new stud going into his second year, belly rubbing Mo Hurst, new fan favorite. Uh, Mo came out, man. He played 13 games this year. Of course, you know, he struggled with a couple little injuries. Uh, he started 10 of them. He ended the season with only 31 combined tackles and four sacks, which you know who else had four sacks their rookie year. But, <laughs> you know, I don't want to hold him to those high standards. But I want to backtrack a little bit to how he became a Raider. I mean, this is kind of what it's all about for him. Uh, Mo coming out of Michigan, obviously I was a huge fan of his. Uh, I have a little bit of a soft spot for, for the big blue. And uh, being able to snag him in the fifth round, that's, that's where you get the big value out of Mo. Obviously, coming in, I, I'd put him as a top 10 rookie this year. But we're able to snag him almost 200 picks into the draft, which is absolutely wild. Um, but when you look back at what made him fall that far, of course everybody knows it was his heart condition. 
But here's where here's where the value really comes in because whenever you're looking at a fifth round pick, I mean it's taking a risk that late. It's almost not even taking a risk at all. I mean you're already losing in the first year almost almost twenty percent of fifth round picks aren't even on the fifty three man roster that first year. But by the time you get all the way down into their contract years, third and fourth year, it's down to only twenty five percent of the fifth round pick is still on their original roster. So. I'm taking those chances with Mo all day. You know, I, he had four of our 13 sacks, uh, you know, and uh, he, he was by far our most exciting player. Um, obviously, you know, P.J. Hall was selected a couple rounds in front of him. Um, but, you know, we all kn- knew that, you know, Hurst was the more complete player coming in. He was the number one defensive tackle for me last year. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the draft was pretty underwhelming. I found myself man, I mean, I was only really kind of celebrating a little bit when we got Arden key and I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but overall the draft was like, I was pretty unsure about a lot of it. And when we drafted Hearst, that felt like the first round pick to me, I was like getting up like fist pumping, (laughs) like, yeah. Cause I knew Maurice Hearst was, he was a player, man. And, and you know what the, the, you know, perseverance he has to, to battle through the you know, I mean, that cost him so much money within the first four years of his career. Uh, You know, he was a first round player. He should have been making millions to start instead. I mean, he's making like what five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars right now. mm -hmm. But you know what? He still had a great attitude. He came in, he worked hard and he was a heck of a rookie, um, you know, for this football team. I'm really excited about his future with the Raiders. And I want to you know, we don't have, even though he's like a first round player, obviously he was selected in the fifth round. We don't have a fifth year option on him. So mm-hmm. his contract would expire in 2021, but look for the Raiders. If he continues to play the way we think and project, he's going to play to not after this season, but after next season, after the 2020 season, our first year in mm-hmm. Vegas to try to sign Hearst long-term that way he never gets to the free agent market post 2021. So keep your eye out on that. I sure hope so, man. I'd agree with it 100%. So now we're going to jump over uh, to his tag team partner. And uh, no pun intended on that, man. PJ Hall. And he played good. He also was the same. You know, he was playing through some nagging injuries. It seemed like we'd only have one or the other uh, going through the year. But he ended his rookie season with 22 tackles. But he flashed, man. I mean, he was explosive sometimes. And to me, he was out there sometimes overshadowing Mo Hurst at times whenever he was probably feeling good. But um, I'm excited to see maybe where P.J. Hall goes, see how he jumps into his second, into his sophomore year. Uh, Chris, what do you think about P.J. Hall? Definitely in regards to Hall flashing, he did. He had some moments. He's definitely explosive off the snap. Um, he's got like an interesting body type, but he is, a you know, everyone knew how strong he was coming in. But to be that quick and that strong is I could see the raw, you know, physical tools that he had that was attractive to the Raiders to want to draft him. Um, you know, and, you know, for him to come from San, Sam Houston state, I didn't see that one coming in the third round, but again, I understand why, um, you know, and definitely he needs to, you know, we hope that he becomes a more consistent player, not just in terms of being on the field with, and not having nagging injuries, but have more consistent play when he is on the field. Uh, but the ability is there and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, maybe our new defensive line coach just allows him to continue to progress and be the player that yeah. we want him to be. Cause again, if we have Hurst we have hall and it's third down Mm. and it's a passing obvious situation. And if we can supply this team 
with the edge rushers that we would like to whether you know the first round of the draft maybe uh, another one free agency what have you and we have Hurston Hall going we're going to be a nightmare oh yeah on third and obvious passing because we're going to have the exterior pressure hopefully and then these two studs these two young studs on the interior bringing that pressure you know explosive off the snap too I see the end goal here I see what you know Gruden and uh you know, Gunther are thinking that that can be a recipe uh, for disaster for opposing teams. And what, what does the AFC West have, right? We have a lot of good quarterbacks in this division, mm-hmm. right? You know, you got the MVP, Pat Mahomes, you got Phillip Rivers. We got to get some pressure. And if we can do, do right by the exterior and then progress our interior guys, Hall and Hurst, should be fun to watch, man. Or tossing some dang blitzes on third down, man. Put me to sleep on the four-man rush. Gosh dang, man. Drove me nuts. I mean, re- rely on just raw talent out of our young guys. But hey. Yeah. Man, uh, every time we blitz, though, they'd fool us for a screen that would go 70 yeah. yards for a touchdown <laughs> untouched, Cody. So you can't have it both ways, man. You know? uh, some successful we blitz better, packages. Better players. We have better yeah. players overall on this defensive roster. The, you know These silly things won't happen as much. Yeah, so let's uh, let's jump over to our rotational guy, six foot two, three hundred and forty pound nose tackle, Justin Ellis, aka Jelly, the twenty fourteen fourth round pick. Um, he struggled a little bit to stay on the field this year, but it wasn't really a problem in the past. I'm pretty sure the two seasons before that he played all 16 games and he just signed a three-year deal last year so I expect him to stick around, of course, depending on who we add. But uh, you saw you saw Jelly. Um, at the groundbreaking ceremony there in Vegas. Um, he seems like he's locked in. He's ready to be a Raider. What do you think about Ellis, Chris? Well, obviously he was, uh, you know, I believe the first half of the season he was out, right? I believe he was on the injured reserve with designation to return. Yes. And when he finally did come back, I think he got hurt week one, right? Yeah. But when he finally did come back, um, you know, he definitely has a run-stopping presence. Um, I would say there's a lot to be desired in terms of a pass rush. But then again, that's just not the defensive tackle that he is. He's not a pass rushing type of guy. That's fine. Um, you know, is he a, is he a stellar player? No, I wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, he's a, he's a solid player. I think he, he works extremely hard. I think he's a good teammate. Yeah. Well, let's not, let's not mess around and let's actually jump into Arden key. Let's talk about him a little bit. Okay. There we go. Like you said earlier, he was, uh, Whenever we took him off the board coming out of LSU, of course, he fell down the draft board because of some off-the-field issues, maybe character concerns, whatnot. I haven't really seen any of that this year. So, I mean, at this point, I mean, I think his upside's through the roof. Uh, I just saw a video of him uh, doing some boxing training, slap boxing a little bit with his trainer, looking good, looking quick, looking ready to jump back into the season, hopefully build some muscle, gain some weight a little bit, and can get in there. And like to just see him, man, I mean – I felt like he missed out on a handful of sacks just by maybe overrunning the player or just misjudging them. Just a quarterback would step forward and the guy would just go flying right by him. I feel like there's so many opportunities for him there, and especially I've touched on it before in a, in a surefire passing situation. Man, the dude was lightning off the line, and he definitely broke into the backfield quite often. And, man, Arden Key is a guy that if, if he can have a good second-year jump for us off the edge, if we can bring someone else on the other side – we could flip this uh, 13 sacks and we can probably double that thing. No problem next year. Chris, what do you think about Arden key? Man? Well, I mean, you said it, there was so many times when he was just, Oh, right there. But you know, the issue with that is he's like you talked about, he's extremely explosive off the snap. He comes around the edge. He can bend it so well. Um, he's got the physical tools to do that. Mm-hmm. 
But the problem with him is that he has not mastered a counter inside move yet. Now, if you're really good off the edge, but you're not that good with your counters to, you know, flip it inside and, you know, put the, you know, OT in La La Land, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they know that speed is just your go-to. They're going to know that and they're going to use that to their advantage. And they're going to let you go out wide when you're right by the quarterback and they'll just give you a shove. The quarterback knows to step up and they mm-hmm. know that key's not a, th- you know, a huge threat to have a impressive inside move to capture the sack. So key is literally mastering just some nice inside moves away from being a lethal pass rusher Yeah, because he has the outside bend and the explosiveness. So now it comes down to honing in on his craft and being able to complement that impressive speed outside bend rush that he has. Now, uh, next guy, the guy that we saw opposite of him most of the year, stepped in, veteran guy, turned into kind of a low-key fan favorite, Frosty Rucker. What do you think about Frosty Rucker, Chris? Well, longtime Arizona Cardinal, right, veteran. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. he's got, you know, a his share of gray hair on his beard alone. Right. But, uh, you know, he, he was a really good in a, in a year, you know, recently, you know, Donald Penn kind of talked about, um, you know, on NFL network, some of the, the, the trading of Mac, right. And, you know, bringing Gruden in and all the roster turnover, having a guy like Frosty Rucker as a veteran leader for all those guys in that time of transition was probably huge yeah. for those players. And I've heard nothing, but, people ranting and raving about the type of locker room presence he was, the veteran leader that he was, keeping the young guys focused on the the task at hand. Um, he's actually from Tustin, and that's, you know, I used to work in Tustin. It's about 15 minutes away from my house. Uh, so he's a local Southern California kid. He went to USC, so, you know, I kind of have a soft spot for him anyway, um, you know, in regards to being from Southern California. But, um, you know, I, I really liked, at first it was like, man, you know, Gruden's bringing in another old guy, but... I really think even if the on the field production wasn't fantastic, he was a much needed veteran. Agreed. 100% agree with that, man. And now we got a few guys left trickling at the bottom of the roster. What do you have to say about them? Who are they? Well, I mean, we got, you know, Coney Ely, Jonathan Hankins, Clint McDonald, Gabe Wright, all guys that were signed off and on after week mm-hmm. one. They're all unrestricted free agents, um, for the exception of Gabe Wright, who is has a non guaranteed. contract next year. So we might see him at least um, in the off season program and training camp competing for a spot. But nonetheless, those are just guys, you know, I look to, uh, you know, we'll get into the draft and free agency, but us to, you know, bring in some different talent um, for the most part uh, this coming season uh, to give us a lift. Yep. Now let's not waste any time. Let's get to the good stuff, Chris, and let's start talking free agents. I think it's an automatic. You got to scratch off the big name players this year. Of course, you see everybody talking about Demarcus Lawrence, Frank Clark, D. Ford. Uh, you see uh, Clowney getting thrown out there. I don't quite see those guys hitting for agency. Don't hold me against it. I mean, one might slip through the cracks, uh, surprisingly, but I doubt it. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and scratch them off our list. Um, and the first guy that I have my eye on, and I'm in a you know th- this whole off season. Uh, defensive line look that I have here, Chris. For some reason, you're in a 6'4 mood with your wide receivers. I'm in a 6'5 mood right now with my defensive line. Every single player I'm going to talk about right now is 6'5. Okay, okay, okay. We're going to start <laughs> off with 6'5, uh, 275 pound Ezekiel Ansah. 
And the seventh year end is 29. He's going to be turning 30 by the beginning of the season. And yeah, yeah, I get it. He's been labeled as injury prone. But it's not like he's been that player to be guaranteed injured every single year. Um, yeah, his last few years have been rough. But he's only had one season where he played less than 13 games. That's really not bad. Now, my problem is, is his build and skill set to be a great fit for the hole at defensive end. But he struggled to be that guy. Like he, he, He's just not quite taken that turn. So when you go straight to the moneymaker, though, he's produced sacks, which is really what we need. I see maybe a chance to renew himself in a fresh start, you know, in the silver and black for Gruden and and Gunther in that defense. The thing is, whenever I'm looking at Ziggy, uh, the way I'm looking at it, I don't want to see it like this, but the way I see it, obviously, when you look at our defensive line and you see the big gaping hole that got left before the the 2018 season, you obviously see, are we going to be okay without Cleo Mack? So, of course, we're going to look at ways that we can possibly win this trade or somehow come close to breaking even with it. So, I mean, first step, of course, is hopefully hitting someone at that number 24 pick, right? But now whenever I look at Ziggy, spot track hasn't projected somewhere around like $13.2 million a year. But, of course, hitting the open market, I see that number jumping up. But being able to maybe pay him 15 or $16 million a year of that $23.5 million hole left by Khalil Mack, um, I don't necessarily see that as a win, but I see it as a pretty strong Band-Aid for our defensive line. And uh, maybe he, Ziggy hasn't been the answer yet, you know, for the Detroit Lions. But I think if he slips through the cracks and John Gruden brings him in, I'm telling you, hashtag Ziggy is the answer for our edge rush, Chris. I'm telling you. <laughs> the, the, dad, the dad jokes are strong with Cody tonight. But, uh, you know, like, like you said, um, I'm going to kind of go tier two. Uh, you know, edge rush talent here along the defensive line. Uh, you know, obviously D Ford, I'd love to have him. Frank Clark, like you said, I have a, you know, a huge, I mean, having D Ford on the team, I know that gives me goosebumps, but let, let's be honest. These, these teams are not going to let these guys go for nothing. They're, yeah. they're going to tag them. They're going to sign them long-term. They're not just going to get rid of them, you know? And in the case that the, it rarely happens like the Raiders. Obviously, I'm not saying D Ford's as good as Khalil Mack, but what do the Raiders do? They they traded him for a pretty hefty price, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you don't just let go of players like that. Um, so I'm going to go tier two. Uh, guys that are, you know, have my eye are still young and, uh, you know, they're unrestricted free agents. You know, look at a guy that bounced around a little bit, Dante Fowler Jr. Um, okay. He was drafted just before Amari Cooper in the 2015 draft, 6'3, 255. You know, the, the Jaguars, you know, his first year, he didn't even play. I believe he had a uh, you know, pretty significant injury that caused him to miss the season. But mm-hmm. played a, two full seasons with Jacksonville. Then he was traded to the Rams in the middle of the year last year, I believe. He was either cut and then the Rams picked him up or he was traded. I'm not 100% sure. I believe he was traded. I think so. But uh, nonetheless, he's a free agent. And, you know, is he a, a, a wow player? No, he's not. he's not a wow player. I mean, he's had, you know four sacks, eight sacks, four sacks in his career, nothing spectacular, but I do see him possibly being a one year prove it type guy, you know, where, where maybe Gruden gives him a, uh, a comfortable amount on a one year contract, but Hey, come and prove it with us. Yeah. Um, you know, get a lot of playing time and, uh, you know, and then another guy that's kind of, you know, caught my eyes, 27 years old, Preston Smith out of Washington. Ooh. Um, he's more of like an outside linebacker, but he has pass rush ability. Um, you know, he's had, 
you know, eight, four and a half, eight and four sacks in his four year career. Um, you know, he was drafted in the third round of the 2015 draft. So he's a guy too, that, you know, I don't think has a, a huge name that's going to cost a ton of money. Um, you know, maybe he's a guy that, that they could be interested in. Maybe he, you know, John calls Jay and say, Hey, give me the lowdown on Preston. Uh, but those are a couple guys that are tier two that shouldn't be too expensive um, that, that I have my eye on, uh, you know, come free agency. Yeah, and free agency isn't something we're going to rebuild our complete defensive line, but I hopefully see a snag of one of these guys. I'm also looking at maybe like a Brandon Graham or a Benson Mayoa, a little reunion there, or a Trey Flowers maybe if he slips away from New England. I mean, just somebody. I mean, get us a, get us a proven vet, get him in there, and then yeah, and let's – Let's be clear, man. I mean, the, the 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 roster of like edge guys in free agency that are likely going to be available is not fantastic. No, you know, because if these guys are wild players, like we talked about, they're going to stay with their team. Yeah. Right. So or get big. You know, I know some of you guys might be listening and saying, oh, man, Dante Fowler Jr. Give me a break. But realistically, you know, uh, I think finding value uh, in a prove it type deal. Uh, you never know. New system, you know, of contract year. They realized they didn't get the big deal that they wanted to get be surprised what can happen so yeah i agree so hopefully we get one of these guys to compliment maybe a draft prospect here so you ready to jump into the draft chris yes this is what i've been waiting for man let's go <laughs> here we go man and the reason we're so excited here is because i think the draft is super deep at defensive line i mean at least for sure in the first round i mean there's probably close to a dozen immediate impact players that can step into an NFL defensive line and start on day one. So it's hard not to hit on one or two of these talents with three first round picks. Now, it's hard to say where we're going to grab one. Um, I say there's a very good chance it happens at number four. At least that's what I hope. That's what I really hope. Um, of course, I'm weirdly high on Devin White, but that's that's another that's another story. Besides him, um, me and you both, Chris... Uh, we're, we're pretty high on Quinnen Williams, but I'll go ahead and I'll give him to you, man. He's your boy. Tell me a little bit about Quinnen. Quinnen Williams. I mean, to me, uh, you know, he's the best defensive tackle in the draft. And I think he, I mean, maybe I'd probably put him as the second best player in the draft period, uh, behind Nick Bosa. Um, I mean, he has everything you could want. I understand that, you know, we've been talking about, uh, you know, Hurst and Hall, but to me, I, I don't want to look at a player um, that's, in my opinion, an elite prospect like Quinton Williams and say, oh, well, we drafted a couple defensive tackles last year, so how could we draft him? Well, hmm. you know, last time I checked, we drafted a couple safeties and, you know, Derwin James is on the Chargers now, so that, that happens. That excuse has gone uh, out the window. Yeah, so draft best player available besides probably the quarterback position would be the only one where that wouldn't apply, you mm -hmm. know, so... Um, this guy has it all, man. He's a pass rushing DT. He's a run stopping DT. He is a force to be reckoned with. Um, you know, you watch this guy's tape and not one man has trouble stopping him. Two men constantly have trouble containing Quinn Williams. And if he is there at four, I'm going to be slamming the table mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. this guy, he can play, man. And he's to me, I mean, you have a, a three uh, you know, three headed monster between Williams who will be, you know, there on most downs and then have Hurst and then Hall is your depth guy coming in on third down. I mean, Williams can stop the run. I mean, he, he can move so well, mm -hmm. uh, you know, from hole to hole as a defensive tackle. And, uh, you know, I, I just think he's a guy that they can't pass up on at, at number four if he's there. 
yeah, there's no way you pass up on a guy that can step in and just draw double teams. Ima- imagine uh, Quinnen drawing a double team and leaving Mo and Arden Key to do work. You know what I mean? Oh, man. I mean, this dude's 6'3", 289, and he's, in my opinion, he's going to be you know, an elite player. I, I, really, I really believe that. Same. I, I couldn't agree more, and I wish I, wish I could say more on Quinnen. Uh, he's he's my my surefire pick too as well. But um, if he was gone for some reason and I had to go in a different direction, uh, one guy I kind of have my eye on, or at least see the Raiders maybe taking a shot at number four, might be Clellan Farrell. Uh, of course, the defensive end out of Clemson. He's been getting a lot of hype since that championship game, and I've been a little down on Farrell through the off through the through the whole season. Uh, just before the championship game, I even came out and said I wasn't sold on him. Uh, then, of course, right after that, he came out and had a monster, gra- monster game. You know, just my luck, kind of how it works. Um, doesn't still really change my opinion on him. But maybe to a guy like John Gruden that sees a guy go out there on a big stage and take down a team like Alabama, that might be enough. That might be enough for him to say, you know what, at number four, he fits that need right there at the defensive end. We take a shot. And he was one of these players he could have entered uh, in the 2018 draft, but he decided to return to school instead. And he polished up his run-stuffing skills. Um, he really boosted his draft stock. He's probably going to be, you know, maybe a, a second-round pick last year, but he boosted himself up, of course, now, most likely a top-10 pick, depending on how the, the rest of the offseason goes. And uh, he finished the year with 55 tackles, 19 and a half of them being for a loss, and 11 and a half sacks. So I'd say his main upside is that he finished the year fired up and played a vital role in taking down Alabama. He didn't just do that against any guy either the number one offensive tackle in the draft is jonah williams and farrell kind of embarrassed him exactly so i mean i understand it i mean farrell is he's an athlete does he lack the edge rushing bend that you'd like yes he probably does but he's a very powerful player very powerful presence i think he's going to be excellent against the run and i think he's going to be like a power rusher um, you know, you could definitely find, find a spot for him. Would I, would I take him at four? Maybe, mm. uh, mm. I, he's more of a trade back guy. Um, yeah, same. another, another guy that's maybe a trade back guy. If someone at, you know, eight or nine is like, you know, trying to come up and grab a quarterback, you know how these teams go crazy for quarterbacks and a dude I'm, I'm pretty high on, but I think maybe had some, you know, I think, I think it was one is- instance where he was like yelling at his coach. He's shown a little bit of mental, you know, instability, maybe in some people's eyes at Oliver DT out of Houston. Yeah, yeah. I really like him though, man. And I feel like, you know, if he, in a trade back situation, if he's available, I got him slotted just under Quinn and Williams uh, yeah. as the best defensive tackle in the draft. Uh, you know, another guy in a, in a trade back situation, um, if they wanted to go edge rusher and, you know, we had the ninth pick instead of the fourth pick and josh allen was available edge rusher out of kentucky six four two fifty he's a pure pass rusher man and i think he would be a really good option as well in a trade back situation so yeah man those are all viable options i like them all at number four can't really complain maybe some guys even in there that could be possible in a trade down scenario but maybe there's some rumors of a trade up scenario or a guy that's going to fall down nick bosa ohio state Rumored to be all offseason, or actually, I mean, at the beginning of the 2018 season, already dubbed as the number one overall pick. You know, the battle for Bosa, blah, 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 blah. Are the Raiders sold on him? I don't know. I'm not quite sold on him myself. Um, I kind of see him being something similar like a, like a Joey Bosa. You know, Joey Bosa was the guy that held out 
in camp for a rookie contract. I mean, the dude hadn't played it down of NFL football, and he's holding out for his contract. If that isn't, I mean, early signs of ultimate diva, I really don't know what is. And, and it, of course, you know, Joey's flashed all pro talent, but it hasn't been consistent. He hasn't always been there. So is Nick going to be the next guy? Is he going to be the next guy in line? Does Gruden see him as that player? I'm not sure. Would I be mad if we traded up and got him? No. But, like I said, there's some concern there. Chris, what's your take on it? If I knew for a fact that Nick Bosa was going to be Joey Bosa, I would trade up to number one and take him because I'm a huge fan of Joey Bosa. But just because Nick is Joey's brother doesn't mean that that's going to be the case, yeah, right? Yeah. And there's even been talk about, you know, at Ohio State that, you know, Nick Bosa was better than Joey was when he was in that situation, right? Mm. As a college player. He's a more complete player, he's a better, you know, explosive pass rusher, blah blah blah. Yeah. Um obviously we don't know if that's really going to translate. Would I trade up to number 1 and obviously not assuming that Nick is going to be as good or better than Joey. Um I would say no. I think that I would rather stay at four and I would rather see what, you know, elite player comes to us, which, you know, again, I mean, you know, these teams are going to go crazy over a quarterback. I'd be highly surprised if one of the top, you know, three picks before the Raiders aren't quarterback selections. You know, there's going to be a team that's going to come up and get this guy or that guy because they feel like they're the answer and they have a combine and they throw a 60 yard dime on right on the money. Right. So, um, I, th- I would just wait. I wouldn't trade up from four to one and give away one of our late firsts or give away our 35th pick in the second round and a fifth round or two. I would just hold tight. Don't panic. And, uh, you know, I, th- I feel like, you know, a guy like Quinn Williams at, at four is, is perfectly fine. And I don't think Bosa is necessarily right now, in my opinion, worth the trade up from four to one. But yeah, man, maybe we get our way. Maybe we do. You know, snag a Quinn and Williams at four. We sit at four. We snag Quinnen. Uh, maybe we go back to back or close, you know, in the next few picks and we grab another defensive lineman. A guy I'm looking at is Jalen Ferguson, defensive end out of Louisiana Tech. Of course, like I said, I'm in a six foot five mood. Here's my third guy, six foot five, 255 pounds. And Ferguson was similar to Cleland Farrell. Uh, he had a great 2016 season, but his 2017 season was definitely lackluster. Had he declared for the 2018 NFL draft, he would have been like a mid-round pick at best. He, he was not even close up there to the top. But he wisely returned for his senior year and had a great season. 64 tackles, 26 of them being for a loss, 17 and a half sacks, and boosted his draft stock up there. And if he's there, maybe in our second-round pick, boom, <clears throat> take him. I like him. I'm all for it. I feel you, man. I feel you. No, I mean, you know, it just kind of depends on, you know, it's so difficult that by the time it comes to the second round, especially in like a group that's so, you know, deep, like you're talking about defensive tackle, edge rusher, there's so many players we have. It's so difficult to predict who's going to be there, but I would, I would completely agree with that. I do want to bring up a guy, uh, you know, you said you, you got your, you're fond of the blue, right? I don't know if that's from <laughs> Charles Woodson or what yeah, we're talking bit. about Mohurst earlier, but there's been a lot of talk about Rashawn Gary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would just like to say that, I am not on the Gary at four train whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I feel like he is being way overvalued in these like, you know, early returns as to where they're going to go. I've seen him mocked to the Raiders 
many a times by, you know, people with blue check marks. And I, I'm not understanding why I, I, I mean, if he's a guy that's there in the twenties, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in, as a fourth pick in the draft, uh, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm wary of that. And I think he's overhyped. Uh, I don't want to say overrated, you know, cause I mean, the dude's just coming out of college. He's going to be drafted. We yeah. don't know, you know, he could be a hall of famer. Right. But I'd say he's a little overhyped and I would not touch him at four. Absolutely not. Yeah, no, and I agree with you, man. Uh, of course, watching some Michigan games, it was nothing but Gary and uh, Devin Bush absolutely terrorizing uh, opposing offenses. So maybe uh, my last guy I want to mention, my my fifth guy, six foot five, two hundred fifty eight pounds. If you're looking uh, a day three, maybe we're looking to add some depth or take a possible shot at a guy that has some upside. I'm looking at Joe Jackson, defensive end out of Miami, or Ooh. as you like to say. You, <laughs> he's uh, he's definitely he was a hit or miss player this year. Um, and I'd say he might have declared too early, could have followed in the footsteps of the previous two players I just hit on and returned for that senior season, you know, just to work on his consistency. But either way, he's a guy that's flashed great explosiveness. And in my honest opinion, he's definitely worth a shot in day three, no doubt. Um, could be a guy to throw in there with fresh legs every once in a while, make a big play. Um, all depends, but Joe Jackson's definitely a guy I'm gonna see watching on that draft board you know come day three like it i like it now man defensive line this year there's there's so many prospects it's hard for us to uh, cover them all of course uh free agency you never know who we're going to grab because i don't see any big names hitting us but i see you know of course john going after a lot of vets all right chris let's take a minute to show some love to the supporters that help make this show happen Raider Nation, make sure you check out Dan from DC4L Custom Tees. Dan's been with us since day one. He carries all the Raider Cody podcast gear, and not just our gear. He has his own line of custom Raider shirts. There's a hot topic going down in Raiders world. Guarantee you he's got a shirt that's dropping soon. My personal favorite is the felonious fan shirt. It perfectly represents our fan base, and as Raiders fans, it's time we just rep it proud, man. Next, make sure you check out rnforlifer.com. That's Raider Nation for Lifer. He has a lot of custom little accessories that you normally wouldn't think about, so you have to visit his website. But he has custom pins, custom patches. I've seen custom shoes. And my favorite is he has a full-blown custom Raider Nation flag, and it's the real deal. It's not your typical Amazon flag. This thing is full-stitched, full-embroidered. That's a guy you definitely got to check out. You can find him on Instagram and Facebook, but go to his website. That's rnforlifer.com. And our newest supporter. Make sure you check out Made by Tony Perez. You can find him only on Instagram at Made by Tony Perez. He does custom metal artwork, CNC, plasma cut, aluminum signs. I mean, he does signs. I've seen trailer hitches. And if you feel like finding out more, feel free to call him. That's 209 756 1830. But if you have any questions on where to find these guys, go to RaiderCody.com and I have links to each one of their pages. Now let's quit messing around and let's get back to the show. Now, let's hear a little bit from the fans, man. You ready? Let's go. What up, Cody? It's Wop. What's up, Wop? Man, I'm so happy the Patriots won. I know a lot of people are pissed off at that, but just hear me out for a second. Mm. I like it because all of the Rams fans that came out of nowhere, brand new jerseys and 
hoodies and all kinds of stuff for the Rams. Nobody's seen them. Right after this loss, what are they doing? They're burning their shit like they're supposed to. They're burning their stuff like they're supposed to. That's what fake fans are supposed to do. And if I want anyone to beat the Patriots and end the dynasty, I want it to be the Raiders. I don't want it to be nobody else. Yeah. It doesn't mean crap to me. And besides, the Patriots are solidified in being the greatest NFL team right now. Uh, they're on a good run. I mean, come on. I don't want no brand new team that just got up. I mean, come on. I hope the Rams don't ever go to the playoffs again. That's me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Cynical guy, but I don't feel sorry for him, you know? I want everyone to get a taste of what the Raiders went through with the tuckle. Everyone told us, oh, get over it, get over it. No, I want everyone else to have a play that they have to get over it. So that way they Mis- misery likes company, I guess. Swap out. <laughs> Gosh dang, what, man? You got a you vendetta out for, for Rams fans, but understandable. I, I don't know if I'd go as far as being glad the Patriots won, but I, f- I feel you a little bit on the Rams fan thing. There was a lot of new ones popping up, seeing them. I saw one car with fresh new Rams flags driving down the road uh, before the Super Bowl, but haven't seen them since. Haven't Dude, I'm since. from Southern California, and I didn't see any. Honestly, yeah. like I saw some new jerseys with some, you know, we were talking about with some tags, right? But, <laughs> the, but the, bu- the buzz down here for the Rams being in the Super Bowl was, there was nothing. Really, no buzz at we, all, and I was really surprised. Dodgers are in the World Series. People are going crazy. You know, the Anaheim Ducks are in the Stanley Cup. People are going crazy, right? Uh, you know, the Lakers are in the finals. People are going really crazy. No. The Rams in the Super Bowl, I honestly wouldn't have noticed if I wasn't a football guy. So L.A. Lions uh, and I, they, week. They scored three points in Atlanta against the Patriots, and that was probably more a higher number than the amount of fans they had that oh. made the, the trip to Georgia. So you got a point. You got a point. It's about the same number of fans that were there whenever the buses showed back up to the stadium too. So <laughs> let's take this next phone call. Let me see if I can make it two weeks in a row, Cody. This is JD, the SC Raider brother. What up JD? Just thought I'd hit you up again. Thanks for covering floors last week for me, man. That was still a travesty. Yeah. Now, I wish y'all would quit with this 2020, we got a new stadium stuff. Okay, this is 2019. Fact, my team ain't done nothing since the last Super Bowl appearance, with the exception of 2016. Fact, we don't have a damn place to play. And fact, until it's finished, 2020 is only a dream. Get an effing clue. We it was don't all have dream. a home. <laughs> Let's get this stuff done and let's get it done right. We're fighting with each other. Peace out. Dang, JD, man. Were, were, some... we, were we fighting about it? I don't know, man. I don't some... know if we were, but hey, you know, you listen to the episode, you're going to hear that we talked a lot about the 2019 stadium situation. So we got that handled for you, man. Yeah, it's a sticky situation for sure, but I think it gets worked out. We get through this one week. I'm more, I mean, I'd rather, man, the, the location is one thing, but the. The, the Twitter rumors are what's getting to me more than anything. It's yeah. like, let's just get to it all. Playing with our man. heart, man. Playing with our heart. Playing with our plane tickets. You know what I mean? Where, where, where are we going? You know what I'm saying? I have so, no idea. No idea. Flying man. to SFO. We flying to Oakland. What are we doing? So. No idea, man. Let's take this next phone call. What up, Brother Cody? It's WAP. Right now, I just. WAP again. All right. Raider Nation to understand. Right now, we are just. Easy pickings for nothing but negative news. (laughs) 
try not to sit in there and soak that stuff up like a sponge because all they're going to do is just nitpick and talk shit about the Raiders. That's what the media does. You're going to have nothing but journalists, especially those that are loyalists of Oakland, not necessarily loyalists of, of Raiders. And they're just going to paint the Raiders to be a bunch of, of a disorganized uh, NFL team. And they're just going to take shots at us all until we take our draft picks. And we're probably going to even talk more when we get our draft picks, just like we did last year. And then, of course, I just saw this thing about P.J. Hall getting extorted for gay pictures. I don't know about that, but, I mean, there was a picture of him with a butt. I don't know. With a butt. This is the world we live in where people think it's okay to take naked pictures. I don't know. You it's a random butt. Stuff like this happens, and then it's like it's out in the open. Oh, well. All I'm saying is just look at it and take it with a grain of salt because it's probably... A lot more of that story you're missing out. Wop out. I agree, Wop. And the PJ Hall thing, I think we've, you know, debunked that already. And uh, add that to the list of, uh, of false stories this week. But uh, whenever it comes down to your your media issues that you have, well, I got good news for you, Wop. Here pretty soon with Kenny King, we're going to break down this Bay Area media bullcrap because i'm tired of hearing it tired of hearing it too chris are you tired of hearing it man i'm sick of it too and i know kenny's gonna dial that down uh he's gonna he's gonna say what's up on it and then regards to the pj hall you know gay thing uh it doesn't seem like he is but even if he was i don't care to me it's a non-issue non-story uh it'll it it blows up because you know the twitter verse but i could care less as long as he wants to be a raider and play football he can do whatever he wants so truth and he's a dang good player so do your thing, PJ. Do your thing. Let's take this next call. Raider Cody, White Tiger, Kenny the King. This is Monster Mash Ken. Yeah. Hey, what's up? You know, congratulations on the on the brand change there. Thank you, Monster uh, Mash. That was great. You guys have put out some good stuff as always. Anyway, my two cents on uh, D line. Uh, you know, I'm not going to even go into what happened last year. I think uh, I, I like Mo Hurst. PJ Hall. I think it's just a filler in peace. Uh, Arden Key is getting so close. I think he needs to bulk up a little bit. He's got some moves, yeah. and he's just got to learn how to finish the play. But, you know, I, I think if uh, we had somebody coming in on the op- opposite side and kind of closing in the gap on the quarterback, Arden Key would have been a lot more successful. I think, you know, it was a two-man rush with Key and uh, and uh, Hurst. Anyway, as far as uh, uh, draft picks go, you know, I don't know what's going to happen those first couple picks, those first three. I like Pharrell. A realistic pick, you know, Ooh. Quinnen for sure. You know, Quinnen Hurst, wow, that'd be amazing. But Quinnen uh, for I like yeah. I like Pharrell, but I think you can you can get value and you can trade back a little bit for him and uh, pick up another second round pick or, or whatnot. Or you know what, you know, if if, if Williams falls to us or uh, Josh Allen or maybe he package the first the, the last two uh, back end picks and, and we move up and get another rusher. But uh, I don't know. There's so many possibilities. You know, we still got to get through uh, the combine, see what you know, who's who's what, and as far as free agency goes, I doubt any of these major players are going to come out yeah. and, and and get away from their teams. I really do. Uh, I think that you can't let a clowny walk away, uh, or um, to the guys coming out, uh, the Eagles in my mind right now, Graham. I think it's Graham. But uh, anyway, uh, keep up the good work, guys. I look forward to hearing more stuff as the off season goes on. You guys are great, entertaining. And Kenny King, Kenny King, I hope you like what I sent, brother. 
I can't wait to see it online. Take care, guys. Yeah, Monster Mash. Appreciate the call, man. That was good stuff as usual. Yes, sir, man. Monster Mash, dude. I can make your action figures for you. I like it. <laughs> and he hit on some good stuff. I liked how he wrapped that up. Pretty much touched on exactly what we said. Uh, start looking past those big names, Raiders fans. It's fun to dream about, but don't get your hopes up. So let's take this last phone call. Hey, fellas. Raider Roo. Raider Roo. So get in on this talk about this whole stadium, where they're going to play situation. Let me okay. give you a little background on myself. I grew up in Sacramento, California. And I started watching the Raiders as a seven-year-old with my stepdad in 1988. And obviously at the time, the team was in Los Angeles. So even though for the first seven years of my fanhood or so, I'd only known them as the Los Angeles Raiders, thanks to the teachings of my stepdad, I always, like, felt Oakland was the home and Oakland Raiders was sounded right, even though I hadn't known them as that myself. So I was pretty excited when they moved back. So now, fast forward to today, or soon, if it would have been up to me, if I'd have had any say in it, something would have got done for them to stay in Oakland. Yeah. But, you know, obviously as fans, we didn't have any control of that at all. So I'm not excited to see them leave Oakland for the, because I just feel like that's always the right home for them. But I'm ready to end all this craziness that's going on and them having a home finally somewhere and to stop fighting with the city the city mm. officials and the team officials with the fighting there going on. They're ready for that stuff to end. As far as this Oracle Park at one time, I thought I just think that the Giant, the Giants, sorry, no, the 49ers said no because they wanted to have the opportunity to have the chance to get that year payment from the Raiders. I don't think they care really about territorial rights. It's just yeah. the thing they could use because you're going to let them play in the same ballpark uh, as you. How is that not in your territory? I know the NFL kind of mandates they had to be able to allow another team there, but playing another, just because you were from San Francisco, they can't play there, but you can share the same building, and that's fine. But In Santa Clara. Whatever. <laughs> Seems like now there's good chance they're going to stay in Oakland for another year, which would be probably what should have been done all along. But again, the whole fighting between the team and the city thing got in the way of that, so... Just ready for that headache to end, but I am looking forward to another season in Oakland because, man, you got the fans out there. The local fans deserve that and much more. And uh, hoping we'll make it up to at least one for sure, maybe two games next year if I can, and say goodbye. But, again, just the mess of the argument between the two sides. Just that, looking forward to that ending and not having that hanging over our heads anymore. But after this gets settled, we can look forward to the side and off season. But for now, that's all I got. Thanks, guys. Go Raiders. Yeah, Raideroo. Raideroo, that was a good call. You know, I can, uh, you know, he said he's, you know, I believe he said he's born and raised in Sacramento. But, uh, you know, and even though they were the L.A. Raiders, he sees them, you know, always being the Oakland Raiders. And I'm from Southern California, and I similar situation. I When I started rooting for the Raiders as a, as a young kid, they were the L.A. Raiders. And for me, I completely agree. When they moved to Oakland, you know, I, I always felt like Oakland was the place for them. So I understand what he was talking about. And it is kind of a sad thing, even though it's a good thing that we're going to be going to Vegas in a couple of years or next year. Um, but it is, you know, a sad kind of an emo- emotional thing because, you know, the likelihood of them ever being back in Oakland is slim to none. 
and you know they're probably going to be the Las Vegas Raiders for quite some time at the very least so it's tough man but you know I just hope that at the end of the day they get this taken care of like you said quickly and we can have a nice ending to the Bay Area run uh, for the Raiders yeah I agree and there's some uh, there's sentimental value there to me too um of course you know just this past week we're locking up our psls in vegas we're ready for it but before that before you know while this was going on hopefully trying to get a a deal worked out you know back whenever ronnie lott was getting his group together trying to get things done in oakland i mean i was right there with him man i still got my my stay in oakland sign hanging up here right next to me in my garage Uh, i was all on board all ready for it all supportive didn't like the vegas idea but they're doing it they're rolling with it Hopefully, like you said, hopefully we get that last year in Oakland. Pay our tribute, enjoy it one last year, and uh, and move forward. But uh, we had some good calls here, Chris, and uh, talking the stadium, talking this media drama, all these false rumors. Are you uh, you ready to bring in the one guy to debunk this thing, man? You ready to bring on the king? It's time for real talk, man. Let's get to it right now. What's up, y'all? What's going on, Kenny? What's going on, man? Man, um, you know, first and foremost, you know, this week has been kind of rough. Um, as you guys know, uh, I lost my aunt, my grandma within 24 hours. Um, but so, you know, I just wanted to, you know, just say say a quick, uh, quick something for that and uh, acknowledge them. And um, now that that's been said, let's, let's go. Yeah, man. Praise for your family, bro. And I appreciate you still coming on tonight and still ready to bring yeah, that man. fire, bro. Yeah, man, we love you, dog. We appreciate you being on, and we're real sorry about all that, man. I appreciate the hell out of y'all, and you know, uh, I won't, I won't miss talking about the Raiders for nothing. So <laughs> let's 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 get that smile on your face. So let's go, man. Real let's talk, go. it is. Let's yeah. go, man. Did you see? Uh, did you see my man DP on uh, NFL Network? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's good to see him, Big, dude. Man, real good to see him. He looked good. Big Donald Penn out there. Uh, I don't know if he was auditioning for a job with NFL Network or if he was auditioning for uh, for a job as a coach. But, man, he was sitting there breaking it down. And he was really just, you know, they were like, well, look at the offensive line. He's like, no, nah, I mean, look at him. They were actually doing a good job. It was just, you know, they, they were getting they were getting beat. But, uh, you know, the, the way that the way that he was breaking it down, he was really very knowledgeable in, in what he was speaking on. And, uh, you know, definitely definitely is a guy that you know when you see that and you see him looking the way that he did it's like you definitely want to keep him around for at least another year yeah yeah and he was uh even one of those guys last year uh coming into the season john gruden steps in i think he was one of the first players to even sit down and have dinner with john gruden man he's all about the team he loves oh, yeah. him he, he's a raider man he, I, I know he wants to finish his career here in the silver and black and oh, yeah. i mean there could be some controversy there with uh players coming in and out some young guns up behind him but I wouldn't mind seeing him one more year, man. We we got the cap. We got the cap for him. Dude. We got we got the cap for him. He's a you know he's a veteran. He you know the, in what 2016 he didn't give up. He gave up one sack, and you know unfortunately it was a sack that got Derek's ankle broken. But you know he he only gave up one sack in 16 games. I mean that's that's virtually unheard of in the NFL. I mean the only only other guy doing that is Rodney Hudson. Um, so you know his his leadership, um, you know the tutelage that he brings. Um, I think that he would be a great uh, a great mentor for Parker um, and and for uh, and for Colton. So um, you know I, I would definitely like to see him see him come back for another year. And I mean the guy has a relationship with Gruden. He was 
he was one of the first players. Uh, he was well. He was one of the last players that Gruden has coached uh, before he came back when he was right, in Tampa right. Bay. So um, I know that that he was he was one of the first people that was almost as juiced as we were when uh, when Gruden came back. So um, I would definitely love to see. I would love to see Donald Penn back. I mean, the guy. Uh, his interaction, his interaction with fans, his interaction with people, um, you know, you could tell that he loves he loves the team. He loves, you know, he loves being a Raider. Uh, he loves the fans. I remember I saw him. I saw him in training camp um, and, you know, he was working out with Kelsey when he was trying to get back in, uh, you know, get back in shape and everything. And uh, he came out when they were when they were doing walkthroughs and, and started signing autographs. Security had to tell him to leave. And he was like, man, I'm just trying. I'm here for the people. Like, I'm not here for you. That's dope. Yeah. So, you know, nice, I was like, man, that's that's what's up. So, yeah, I, I would love to see I would love to see Big Donald Penn back. There's almost like a little little bit of like, you know, he's there's so few players left from that magical 2016 year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's almost wow. like there's this special part of you that almost wants those guys to stick around a little bit more than you normally would just because yep. they were part of that success. So, you know, they're a puzzle piece that can fit right. You exactly. Know I mean? so we need more I than just Seth yeah, Roberts, man. We need. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, Seth got it's better crazy. this year, man. He did. He did. He did. Hey, you know what? At the end of last, at the end of, at the end of last season, I, I was like, Seth has to go. We got to get yeah. rid of Seth. Yeah. He drops too many balls. He fumbles too many times. And then this season, I was like, damn, Seth's kind of clutch. I mean, he can, he can stick around a little bit. Yeah, I put my foot in my mouth. Yeah. I was, <laughs> it, was, it was it was good, man. And it was cool to see this week, man. I, li- I like this lighter talk here on Real Talk a little bit. It was cool to see Donald, Donald Penn up there shedding some good light uh, in media for us. But uh, on, <laughs> on the latter side, man, what's been going on here in the local media the bay area media what's going on there dude well you know it wouldn't be real talk if i didn't get down and dirty on somebody so uh <laughs> i'm not gonna call i'm not gonna call out any names one because it's too many names to call uh and <laughs> and two i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and then most most importantly three um i don't want to get blocked by the few bay area writers that i still <laughs> that still uh have not blocked me yet so um you know shout out Shout out some of those people. I can't. I can't name names. Jim um, Kawakami, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, there was a, there was a Jim a Jim Kawasaki. Uh, there was a a man a man billion. Let's see who else. Yeah, there's a Honte Bill. I think. Oh. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a um, there's a, a, a rug my thigh. But no, but for real, like what 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 kind of crack is the Bay Area media smoking like? They just they they go on there they they come out with these they come out with takes hotter than some of the garbage that we see these Twitter GMs coming out with and these people are supposed to be reporting on the team it's like come on okay breaking the Raiders are gonna play at Oracle Park oh wait no hold on they're not gonna play at Oracle Park this this is a misprint uh, no they are gonna play at Oracle Park and then freaking Le- Mayor, Mayor London Broyle comes out here and she's talking about oh the Raiders belong in Oakland okay well then get off of Libby's ass and, and get something done like you know, we got one season left let's do something. And then they just want to sit there and talk about, oh, uh, Gruden's Gruden's this and Gruden's that and Derek's this. And you know what? If you've never sat down and watched a game and all you do is simulate a Madden, I'm going to tell you, just like I told Stephen A. Smith, shut the hell up. Yeah. Yeah, no, dude. I, I agree with that, man. And, and it's getting to the point where I understand coming into this, as soon as we announced this leave, I understood that Bay Area Media was going to shift their direction a little bit to the 49ers. I get it, man. Of course. You, you know, they can favor them. I get it. But 
It's getting to the point where they're not even hardly talking about the 49ers, and all they're doing is trashing the Raiders. They're just going straight for the headline, straight for the clickbait, and, and it's got it's it's frustrating me because I'm we're not getting any good local media anywhere. Not even you know we have all the Las Vegas writers. They're going in. And, 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 you know, they're shedding light in any good way that they possibly can right. on the Raiders. Right, right. And then we got the Bay Area guys doing the complete opposite and just going hard no matter what. There's no level opinion whatsoever outside of national media. Well, and I the think, national even is killing us. It is. It is. weird, too. So yeah. Screaming Vegas a. Smith. is the only positive, really. Is, is Screaming mean. A. Smith considered national media? I thought he just... Uh, no, he's considered, he's considered national garbage. I know that. <laughs> I thought he had a YouTube show. That's the only place I've ever seen Did him. you guys hear what he said uh, oh my. yesterday on Haskins? He's like, he's oh. more of a, he's more of a runner than a thrower. I tell you, you know, there's a couple <laughs> things on that. Number one, he averaged less than two yards a run. He averaged right. eight yards a game rushing. Second <laughs> of all, is it just me or is that Stephen A kind of like racially profiling Haskins and the fact that what, because he's black he's just going to be a running quarterback the dude's got a cannon of an army through for almost five thousand yards the dude and that's, that's everything that he complains about all the time and yet exactly. he was doing it like it makes no sense no haskins is built like byron leftwich and they talking about he's running it's killing me man. i know dude like like probably a little overweight like let's be honest yeah yeah, yeah. i mean that would be like me playing quarterback and they'd be like man kenny runs too much yeah. No, I, the only thing I run to is the store to get some food. That, I mean, come on, man. It just the, yeah, the way he no, said Chris, it. Uh, Chris is more of a thumper. Give me a break. It's just the way he said it, man. It just sounded like it was not. It was not a professional take whatsoever. It's like not at I, all. I felt like I was talking about my two-year-old son, man. Like he's playing with his kid. Oh, sorry, man. He's not much of a thrower. He's more of a runner. Like, you know, how do you say that about an NFL player, dude? Like, get some credibility or get some stats or facts behind your stuff, dude. Don't just drop these trash takes but that's all it is it's it's trash takes and, and the same thing that the bay area media is doing it's it's trash takes it's clickbait it's something that you know that looks good on a meme or a post on instagram or a quick you know something quick something for likes but yo uh, kenny i got a couple tweets here for you from uh from bonte hill you could talk about it a little bit in september you know after the the raiders lost to the rams he's like you know, hot take, car's not going to make it to Vegas. And then a couple months later, he said the Gruden car relationship is faker than a $3 bill. Mm. Uh, mm. You know, I feel I feel like that's that's a little extra. Like, I don't agree with it. I feel like that's kind of, you know, targeting car a little bit in their relationship. And I, I don't agree with it. But talk, talk to me about it, man. How do you feel about that? Cert- you know, it certainly is. You know, the um, Bonte Hill is, uh, you know, he obviously is a Niner fan. And, um you know, I know that he he's a little bit biased against the Raiders because you know he is Greg Papa's show co-host, um, and you know they you know Pop you know Papa got done dirty or whatever you want to look at it. Um, so you know I feel like he needs to go to bat for his homeboy. But at the end of the day, Papa's a man and and he handles his business and he obviously found another job very quickly, which uh, leads me to believe that he was probably looking while he was with the Raiders still when, when yeah. Vegas when Vegas got announced. Um, but about those tweets, I mean. Look, Derek Carr's not going to make it to Vegas. Okay, cool. Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo can't make it through the season. The guy <laughs> averages a major injury every five games. Look at the record. Yeah. You know, you know, he's worried about the, the Gruden Carr relationship. Well, let's talk about Jimmy Garoppolo's relationship. Jimmy Garoppolo's out there paying hookers, or I'm sorry, paying porn stars and taking them to dinner, and the dude <laughs> can't even stay healthy. But he's Jimmy Jesus. He's the hot take man, right? No, come on. If you want to come out, if you want to come out with a garbage take, that's fine. 
but be prepared be prepared to back it up when you talk about it because every take that he's had from from Derek Carr to John Gruden to even Kanye West's new album it's like bro I don't agree with you one bit. I think the only time that I agreed with him one time was when he said Stephen A. Smith was full of shit because that is true. Idea. We're going to take that tweet, and when John Gruden and Derek Carr make a run in the playoffs, I'm going to Photoshop a $3 bill with Bonta Hill on the front of that $3 bill. Yeah, there we go, dude. Let's do it. Hey, send it up, send it up to Dan and have a T-shirt made. We'll have, a, we'll, have, yeah, we'll have Stephen A. Smith be the president on the bill, too. It'll be perfect. Bonta holding it like, hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. So what, man. what else is going on, Kenny? What's going on, dude? Uh, you know, uh, Super Bowls last weekend. Um, you know, the the Cheat Trees won again. I was, uh, yeah, bro, I was so mad. I, I lost money on the game. Uh, then after the game, I had to drive all the way back and uh, from from L.A. to the Bay. Uh, in pouring rain. Thanks, Chris, for for uh, bringing <laughs> rain. The, the, my whole my one time down in L.A. this this winter. Apologize, man. I apologize. The you know the weather gods. They were just. It was going to voicemail, man. I apologize. You know, and, and you didn't even protect me out on those orange. You know, the orange. I did, streets. man. I, on the on the G block, man. I was bro, uh, I was calling some people to protect you, man. Come on now, bro. I was out in Garden Grove trying to trying to call your name out, and man, Chris didn't come and save me. Chris, <laughs> I was like, Chris, Chris, Chris what's up? What Got to watch out for Mickey Mouse, dude. He's a dangerous dude, you know. He's usually okay. carrying a piece or two, you know. <laughs> Mickey, a thug. He got a couple rat traps in his back pocket. <laughs> but no, nah, but you know, did, you, did y'all see at the end of the game, Tom Brady walked up and kissed Robert Kraft on the lips? Big what host, was dude. that, man? <laughs> and then I saw a thing later where this has happened like a dozen other times, and I've never seen it. <laughs> it's happened a dozen other times, and then Aaron, I guess Aaron Hernandez did back when he was playing, and, yeah. and he said that's a normal thing. And then they said Vince Wilford did, wow. and I ain't going to say shit about Vince Wilford because dude's huge. He's yeah. bigger than me. But, but dog, like, okay, you kiss your kid on the lips. I get that. I kiss my kids on the lips. You kiss your dad on the lips. Uh, I, you know, but then you kiss your owner on the lips. Like, like what kind of, you know, could you imagine, could you imagine if the Raiders won, you know, the Raiders won the Super Bowl and PJ Hall walks up to the mark, you know what, actually, I'm going to leave that. That's for a whole other topic, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm not gonna go oh, there. Man. I'm not gonna go there. Here I am thinking he's gonna go in and say like, "Could you imagine if Carr and Gruden or Mark Davis kissed or whatever?" But then uh, he raised up. Oh man, that oh, was <laughs> you got me, man. Kenny, that was a good call this week. Like I said at the beginning of the show, sorry for your loss, bro, but I appreciate you still appreciate sticking it through and uh, maybe sticking it to some people that deserve it more than you do. And I appreciate that, man. Uh, keep doing your thing, and uh, me and Chris will hear from you next week, brother. All right, y'all. You have a good night. Later, King. Take care, man. Dang, Chris. Another loaded episode topped off with a good real talk. How'd you feel about it this week, man? Felt good, man. Felt like uh, it was good to get Scott Winter in here. You know, talk about the 2019, you know, stadium dilemma where the Raiders are going to play. We dialed in on the D-line, man. Edge rushers, DTs, you know, what's what's to come? You know, who could be joining us in the draft for agency? Obviously, the calls are great. Thank you guys so much for calling in and, you know, giving your two cents. And then Real Talk with the King is always fun. So I thought it was a great show, man. Yeah, for those that want to call in and get involved, uh, it's easy, man. You can either visit the website, RaiderCody.com, or you can call straight to the hotline. That's 808-650-7220. Call in, give a peace of mind. You don't have to have a long call like most of these guys do. You can just call in and give your two cents. 
Don't be worried about it. Uh, but I appreciate the listen. We appreciate the listen here at the Raider Cody podcast. And uh, until next week, y'all, see ya. Later, Raider Nation. Let's go Raiders. Raiders.